In the first year, we just sort of went through the Sicha from beginning to end, and we read and translated. In the second year, last week, we started going through some of the points, point by point, and teaching some of the background teachings that underlie Rabbi Nachman's derech. We learned from the Shlach Kadosh, we learned from the Maral, we learned from others, from the Chida. And today we're going to continue that process and take it through uh, to the end of the Sicha, Be'ezus Hashem. Okay, so let's begin. I'm going to share my screen. And let's take a look at some of the points that we've already looked at, right? So last week we looked at the first teaching in the Sicha, which is the Rebbe's own learning. And we learned about how Rabbi Nachman's derech in and of him, himself and his own spiritual growth was constantly to learn very quickly and copious amounts at a very young age. And we learned about his, his derech halimud. Then we learned about how Rabbi Nachman advised all of us to try to do the same, to learn very quickly, to develop this fluency with Torah, even if only on a, on a simpler or more surface level, not to get bogged down, but rather the clarity that comes from learning something in its entirety, then going back to the beginning and learning it again until we get total fluency and clarity, and then sinking very deeply into it on a deeper level. That's what we had learned from the Rebbe last time. The third point, point in the Sicha regards covering massive amounts of text each year, which is something that Rabbi Nachman wanted his disciples, his Hasidim, and all Jews who feel drawn to his path to try to do. And Rabbi Nachman starts listing all these different things that a person is supposed to finish each year. And the Lashen that he says in the Sicha, which we don't have in front of us today, but we've learned it in the, in, in the, uh, in, in the weeks that we've already been learning the Sicha. The Rebbe said, until the day just isn't enough for trying to cover all of what the Rebbe wants us to try to cover. Shas and Midrashim and Poiskim and, and Kabbalah and so on and so forth, really to cover Kol HaTarakula in a year, a tremendous amount. So let's delve into this a little bit. We're going to take a look at two sources that talk about this concept that we've already actually learned, us, in this series, in Sicha Saran, Sicha Saran 28 and Sicha Saran 62. It's always good to review and we'll do that quickly. And then we'll take a look at the concept of learning bi'iyun, to learn more in depth, which Rabbi Nachman advised, even though he very strongly wanted us to try to engage in learning bi'kiyas, to learn even if only on a surface level, but at least for some time a day, the Rebbe says it's important to try to learn in one place, not covering ground, but to go, so to speak, within the ground and to analyze that place where our focus is. So we're going to take a look at that. Uh, as well in those sources, um, culminating to end the piece really with a teaching from Rav Kook, that really changed my life. Um, and I'm sure some of you are familiar with it already, but we'll take a look at it again at the end of this year. Okay, so let's let's dive into it. And we begin with Sichas around 28, where again, we've already learned this. But Ibn Achman says, Adam, it's fitting for a person. That a person should try as much as they can to see as much of the Torah as you can in your lifetime. Not being limited to one area of the Torah. The Torah is tremendously broad. And there's so many different areas of Torah. We should never allow ourselves to become pigeonholed into just looking at one element of it. There are so many different areas of Torah and each person is going to be drawn to the area of Torah that relates to his or her own neshama. And to learn 
as much as you can, of however much you can. And Rabbi Nachman, if you remember this teaching that we had learned, toward the beginning of this series, we're now up to 76, and that was 28, so it's a good couple of months ago, we learned that Rabbi Nachman brought a mashal, a parable, to the princes who wanted to take pride in their experiences, and they would travel to all these far-flung places all around the world just so that they could come back to the palace and talk about what they had seen there and then. And the Rebbe says the same thing with us in Torah. We should try to engage in as broad a spectrum of teachings as we can. And this goes for the actual, so to speak, you know, primary texts of the Torah, Torah Shabbat Sav, Torah Shabbat Peh. But like we pointed out then, and this is something that personally drew me to Breslov and to this kind of path in the beginning when I started to explore Yiddishkeit a little bit more seriously, was that in Breslov alone, among all the different Hasidic groups, there is a total um, allowance and passion, really, to engage in the later works of all the different Hasidism. There's no interest in staying just within what Rabbi Nachman teaches or what Rabbi Nassim teaches. Obviously, Jews who feel drawn to these teachings are going to spend the bulk of their time focusing on Breslov teachings, obviously. But there's a total willingness to engage in everything across the spectrum, other Hasidic works, non-Hasidic works, the Musr texts, the texts of the Sfardim, and every Tzaddik is mentioned with Zuchusi Aganaleinu after him and, and Zatzal with total uh, uh, honor as if we were following one of those Rabbanim as well, because indeed we are. Because students of Rabbi Nachman are not students of Rabbi Nachman, they're students of holiness. And they're not following his path. They're following a path toward Hashem that passes through any possible uh, gateway that's going to bring each person close to what they need to be brought close to in, in Rabbi Nachman Mamish. And, and you know, it's not supposed to, if it's not this way, then that's not what Rabbi Nachman was teaching, is that it's not a color war, that there's no element of, you know, any, any kind of surface layer um, oppositional Energy, it's really toward whatever can bring us close to Hashem. Take it and run with it. That's what Ibn Nachman taught. That was his derech. That was his path. And so this teaching in Sikhus Ran applies to that as well. Don't we want to have been in the great orchards or, or, of the, uh, uh, the, the Chida and of the fields of the, of the Shlach Kaddish? Like we learned in all the teachings that we tried to draw from so many different masters so that we can say, you know, we, we didn't stay pigeonholed into one way of thinking, but we saw everything. Isn't that wonderful? And then we're able to take from that great spectrum of teaching that we avail ourselves, that, op- that opportunity to engage with, then we can find our own unique place, our own unique path. And that's what Ibn Nachman wanted. So again, Adam, it's fitting for a person. Not discriminating and really being very broad-minded and, and open-hearted to engage with everything that is within the boundary of our holy Torah. Taking a look at the next source, around 62. Rabbi Nachman said over there, and this we learned more recently, that people have tremendous abilities. The human being is phenomenally powerful. We learned very strongly the law of attraction, so to speak, from an emuna angle, from an egoless angle, not an egotistic angle, but that a person can actually bring into being what the person wants. And we learned then, right, and we're not getting into this now, how to analyze what does it mean, what I want, you know, what 
What is the me that wants? And what are the things that I think I want? And do I really want them? How to manifest, so to speak, thoughts of holiness. Because that's why we're here. That's what the real me wants. Beyond the external desires, so to speak, for manifesting wealth or, or manifesting status or manifesting this worldly success, we spoke about trying as much as we can to manifest the reality of Ta'ir Eretz Mechvedecha, that the whole earth should be lichtig, should be shining with Hashem's presence. That's the ultimate desire that you and I have. But we're able to do this. We can actually bring into being what we're thinking about. Ubalvad, and then later on in that Sikha, Ibn Ahmed says, the condition is, a person's mind has to really be thinking about it. Not just like, oh, you know, wouldn't it be great if, but to really sit down and to envision and to visualize and to put great a, a great deal of thought into planning and figuring out, like on a practical level, how can I do this? How can I approach this? What are the steps that I need to take? And here, Rabbi Nachman, in accordance with what he saw as being a goal, a, a, a bombastic goal, a, a, a tremendous goal that may exceed what we think is possible, Says Rabbi Nachman, what parable does he give? For example, a person should think in one's mind, that a person should finish the whole Shulchan Aruch, with all the Mepharshim. Now that is an enormous task, an absolutely enormous task. Doesn't seem realistic. But says the Rebbe, it's okay. You can dream as big as you'd like. To think, and to like illustrate, portray in your imagination, envision yourself sitting and doing the learning with a commitment that it will take on good days and not so good days, days that you went to sleep on time and days that you really didn't, and you still push yourself to get up, to commit to that Seder. Again, this is just one muscle, it doesn't have to be Shulchan Aruch. If you want to finish Medrash, it's the same thing. If you want to finish Zohar, it's the same thing. If you want to finish Lakutimaran, it's the same idea. To think and to envision yourself engaging in this effort and to imagine it and to portray it in your mind. How will I learn it? And how much time will it take a day? For example, she is If a person says Rabbi Nachman wants to finish the whole Shulchan Aruch in a year, it would be five pages a day. To finish the whole thing in one year. Set aside time to just contemplate this and to think about it and to imagine it and to envision it. With tremendous strength and power. Until your whole conscious and subconscious mind is completely bound up with this, with this vision. The same is true for all different areas of the Torah. If a person wants to finish Shas, seven-year cycle, and the person really envisions what would that look like? What would the experience feel like to do a daf a day? Where would they do it? In what setting? In what chabura? Listening to what shir? What would the smell of the coffee be uh, that, that sits at the top right you know, area of the Gemara that's open before him. What, what, what would it be like to go to shul earlier? Etc., etc. Again, this is just a muscle. 
But Rabbi Nachman is using a mashal that's prevalent because this was Rabbi Nachman's path. What would it be like to read, even in English, a chapter of Tanakh every day? What would that be like? To envision oneself doing that, which edition would you use? Where would you be sitting in your home? At what time of day? Etc. And this is the main thing. To yearn, and to long, and to think about this very, very much. The Taik of Gadol with a tremendous tekifus, with tremendous strength and focus, as a Yiskeshiyya Kane, says the Rebbe. You can bring that into being. On a purely practical level, you're unlikely to be able to accomplish such a task if you're not investing thought into practically how is this going to happen. Not enough to want something. Start to plan it. How can we practically do this, right? How can we accomplish this? But also on a metaphysical, on a spiritual level, the thought has tremendous power. And we can bring into being what we're thinking about, what we're envisioning, what we're visualizing. And this again is another source that speaks to this point that we had learned in Ayin Vav, that the Rebbe wanted for Ms. Hasidim, that they should cover tremendous amount of Liman Atayra as much as they can. As much as they can. Now we move to the second part of that teaching, where Rabbi Nachman had spoken about limud bi'iyun, the importance, even while Rabbi Nachman was so strong on a person covering ground as much as they can, bikiyas, 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 just read. And we learned last week, even if you're not able to understand what you're reading, take five minutes. It doesn't have to be something like super set that you're understanding and that it's where you're holding in this particular safer. Grab a safer off the shelf. Read a couple of words. You understand it, great. You don't understand it, also great. We spoke from the Chidah how precious words of Torah are, irrespective of whether their meaning that they carry is able to settle within our conscious minds. Has, it has an effect. We learned about that as well. But at the same time, Rabbi Nachman was very strong that a person should also devote time every day, not to covering ground, but to delving within whatever area of Torah we have in front of us that particular day. And over here we look at Lakute Eitzis, which is a collection of all the practical advice from Lakute Maran that's brought in one place. This was edited by Rabbi Nassan, Rabbi Nachman's primary disciple. And over here we read in the Kute Eitzis under the Erech Torah, number 49. Says Rabbi Nachman, when a person toils in Eon, understanding something analytically, the ins and the outs, until a person merits to know this area of Torah and to understand it fully. Says the Rebbe, Al who merape es nafshoi, he heals his or her soul, umala isalamikaim sharsha, and brings it up to its source. As we know, all Jewish souls are sourced in the 600,000 root letters of the Torah. We clear the channel and we connect to our shoirish, says the Rebbe, very strong words, umamti kaladinim. And we're sweetening all the harsh judgments, all the difficulties, all the period, all the experience of multiplicity, which is confusion, which is the Eitz Hadas Tovarat. Umamte Kaladinu. We sweeten all of that. Ilana And we become bound to the tree of life. Eitz Chayim Hila Machazikimba. 
The Torah is a tree of life for those who grab hold of it. Dekula asvasa, which is all healing. Dekula asvasa. The Torah is absolutely healing, curing, fundamentally. Because when we understand what it means to be ill, in a spiritual sense, the Torah is the healer. The Torah clears away all the thorns and the thistles and the weeds of doubt and twisted ideas. And we hold on to something that was true, that is true, that will always be true, that doesn't change, that doesn't become altered in any age or stage. It's just the same thing that the Prushim at the time of the Beis HaMikdash believed and held fast to, that that's exactly what Torah-oriented Jews do today. Nothing changed. Nothing needs to develop. Nothing needs to to become uh, shinier or fancier. It's all the same thing. Commitment to Torah and mitzvahs. Commitment to Allah as best as we can. Complete rejection of anything else other than Ein Oid Malvadai, than HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the creator of the world, who is unchanging and whose Torah is unchanging and whose covenant with the Jewish nation is unchanging. Asa, the Torah is a healer. The Kule Asvasa. We connect ourselves to that realm and it heals us and it, re- and it rectifies our our path. Kabbalistically, without getting to the depth of this, the sphere of Tiferes is referred to in the Zohar Kaddish as the center of healing. The sphere of Tiferes. And that, of course, alludes to Yaakov Avinu, who's the Amud HaTorah, who's the pillar of the Torah, the Amud HaEmes, the pillar of truth, Titein Emes Liyakov. That word Emes is also related to the Torah. Venasan Lanu Toras Emes. Emes is unique because it spans from the beginning of the Aleph base, the letter Aleph, the beginning of the word Emes, all the way, all the way through until the Taf, the letter Taf, which is the end, which means that the Torah is always true. From beginning, when it was given, the Aleph of Anochi Hashem Kecha, from the very beginning of that revelation, until the, until the tough, all the way, all the way, all the way to the end. It remains true through and through. The tough, of course, being alluding to, alluding to the 400 men of Esav. Esav and his 400 men called in the Zohar Kaddish the tough Alma de Piruda, the realm of, of multiplicity, of disparity, where Esav's head ends up in the, in the Maris HaMachpelah because that's the, that's the realm of unity where those forces are rooted, but ultimately the rest of the body devolves into, into period, into, into duality, into multiplicity, which of course is a veiled reference to the faith of, of Esav, which is Christianity, which is rooted, so to speak, in a place of unity, which is the head of Esav goes in, in the Marasa Machpelah, but it devolves into, into duality. There's a respect and an appreciation of the, so to speak, the, the, the Old Testament, right? Tarash of the Testament, the Testament. And, and from there, it devolves into something entirely different. But our Torah, Tarash Emes, is, is true through and through. From the Aleph, shining straight through to the Tav, Emes La'amitai, it doesn't change. It does not change. It is eternal, as is our bond with the Kodesh Baruch that's what the Torah is. And a person connects themselves to that realm of clarity beyond the Eitzadas, Toivera. No, the tree of life. 
the Ilana Dachaya Le'ela, that's called the Kulai Asvasa, the realm of healing. And a person who's learning Torah in this way of Ion, he sustains and renews all the worlds. And reveals the presence of Hashem within the world because that's what learning Gemara B'Ion does as we're going to learn in a minute from the Priyat's Chaim. That we're able to cut away all the different sfekas and the doubts and we're able to apply Halacha Lemaisa. What does it mean Halacha Lemaisa? Practical law right? and practical guidance means that a path is forged that enables us to live life as human beings in this world consciously. Halacha lemaisa, in the world of Asiya, halacha, teaches us how to walk. We reveal Hashem's presence in the world when we learn bi'ion. We clarify a sugya and we apply it practically. Which is the ultimate purpose for all of our avoda in this world is kedeshi is gadol kvoidi is barach shemai that the presence of Hashem should become intensified in the world by virtue of our thoughts, words, and actions. That's Rabbi Nachman, the great master of bikias, speaking about the importance of learning bi'iyun every day. Now let's take a look at the pre-eitz chayim. The Priyetz Chaim is the teachings of the Arizal recorded by Rav Chaim Vital. And in the Priyetz Chaim, which goes through many, many, many different areas of Jewish experience, teaching what the deeper kavanas, the deeper Kabbalistic intention should be, there is a, there's a parak, a section, that's just one unified section, called Hanhagas Halimud, which speaks about Limud Torah. This whole parak is absolutely fascinating, even if a person doesn't have a background in Kabbalah, maybe even specifically if a person doesn't have a background, because then you, 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 you see how deep the Torah is that goes well beyond what most people are aware of, like what, about what's possible for a Jew that really wants to learn Torah in a, in a really rooted way, in a really conscious way. It's absolutely tremendous, the different kavanas that a person should have when they're learning this area of Torah and that area of Torah, different times of day, being mechaven, having kavanas, the different shamus of Hashem. It's, it's absolutely fascinating. There are also skulas, Kabbalistic uh, skulas, these incredible golden spiritual keys for remembering how not to forget and different things. A very, very interesting segment of the Kisvei Arizal in Priyetz Chaim Hanagas Halimud. But there's one segment that's often quoted because there's nothing, there's very little Kabbalistic about it. It's just the opinion of the Arizal that provides guidance, and this is going to become crucial as we move into the end of the Shir Torah of Cook, to different kinds of souls. And the capacity for them to connect to different areas of Torah in a way that's going to avail them an experience of Limanat Torah that is constructive and not chas destructive for them. And this is something that we made mention of in the previous shiurim when we spoke about Rabbi Nachman revealing a path. It's not the path, it's a path. And it's important for us to know that there are different paths and each soul rooted in one of the letters of the Torah, each of which are different one from the other, has his or her own unique derech and avodas Hashem. 
And Bechaz de Hashem, sitting at the end, end of the generations of Bechina, an aspect of Sheba Dun, who was a Ma'asif Lechalamachanois, who sat at the very, very end of all the different Shvatim that were, that were traveling through the desert, they served as a lost and found. They were a repository for anything that any of the other Shvatim may have dropped, Sheva Dun grabbed it. That's us. That's our generation. We are privy to all the different streams of all the different generations, all the different drachim, and all the different perspectives. We have it today. We're the Bechina of Malchus, of Asiya. We're the vessel. And today we each, all of us, have access to all the different paths for the purpose of us being able to analyze them and to say, okay, this speaks to my neshama. Now take it. Take it. It's yours. Take it and hold on to it and don't let go, as the Masil Susharim tells us a number of times throughout the Sefer. From the very first parak, it's in Parak Yates as well. If a person finds something that works for them, grab it and don't let go. That's yours. And so over here, we need to become aware that there are many different paths in Yiddishkeit. There are many different paths in Limad Atayra specifically. That's our topic now in the Shirim. Very important to recognize this and to give ourselves freedom. To connect with what we know very deeply, our neshama feels is home. And so here's what Arizal says. And this is Rav Chaim Vital recording his master's guidance. Moiri Zacharna Levracha. Haya Aymer, he used to say that Mishu Kharaf Ubaki bi Ion a person who has a very sharp mind, a very analytic mind, that's able to very quickly penetrate different sugyas and different areas of Torah very deeply. According to the Arizal, even such a person should devote one hour or two hours a day, but not more, to this study of Ion, to the study of Talmud, of the dialectics, back and forth, different shitas, step by step, sugyas, shaklavatarias, two hours of Allah Yaser. Why? Because the Arizal saw everything through a Kabbalistic lens. And Kabbalistically, the Gemara has a place. We're trying to accomplish something in learning Gemara, not just the limud of Gemara for the purpose of being able to learn Tarshavah which is the most wonderful thing in the world. And then if we can come out with clarity and apply what we're learning in Allah Chalamaisa, all the better. That wasn't how the Arizal saw it. The Arizal saw it on a deeper level that there is a Kabbalistic rectification that's being accomplished when a Jew learns Gemara. And that Kabbalistic rectification is called Kedilis Shaber. It should be Agoize Aklipas, I believe, or maybe Agude. It could also be Agude Aklipas, yeah. To break the groups and the gathering together of these external shells. What are external shells? What does that mean? They're always referred to as Klipas. We alluded to this a little bit earlier. What hides God more than anything is the illusion of multiplicity. And the reason why that hides God more than anything is because God is more than anything one. The fundamental thing we can say about a Kodesh Baruch Hu, which we do three times a day, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elekeinu Hashem Echad. That's the fundamental revelation of godliness is Hashem's unity. So it would follow that the thing that would cover that up more than anything is the apparent illusion 
of multiplicity, of doubt. And that, my friends, is what the Gemara is. It's a collection of sphakas. It's a collection of doubt. To the point that the Gemara itself, commenting on the Pasuk that says, um, I forget if it's a Pasuk in Tilim or Eoiv, it's one or the other. You've placed me in the darkness like the eternally dead. Says the Gemara, Zutalmud Bavli. Darkness, Zutalmud Bavli. Bavli. It's considered dark. Why is it considered dark? Because when it's dark, a person doesn't know what, what's the next step to take. It's full of doubt. The whole entire Gemara is full of doubt. And that means to say that when a person is engaged in this kind of limud, Shakla Vataris, Abai, and Rava, Rav, and Shmuel, Beisham, Beishila, all these different shitas on different areas in Alakam are trying to grasp well, what does the Torah actually say? What does the Torah actually mean? What was the tradition passed down that became scattered like the Rambam teaches in his Akdama to Pirisha Mishnayas throughout the generations? Doubts fell. Among the students who, who didn't hear carefully enough, clearly enough, didn't pass along the teachings clearly enough. When we're engaged in that kind of limud, and to the best of our ability, we're clarifying which shita we should follow as halacha limaisa, what we're doing there on a spiritual level is that we are clarifying the existential doubts of living within a physical realm marked by multiplicity, which seems to hide the presence of God. On a spiritual level, a Kabbalistic rectification is being accomplished when we work through a sugya, far beyond even whatever the Shardalid in Nefeshachayim, which is ubiquitously learned in all the yeshivas for the purpose of encouraging their students and, and our students to engage in this kind of limud atayra, the limud of Talmud. Very important to learn the other three Sha'arim as well. But Shardalid is something that many of us are familiar with. Beyond all of that, which speaks about this more practical value of learning Tarsha Balpeh says that Ariya Kaddish, something spiritual is happening as well. Even beyond that, we're, we're clarifying our minds and even beyond what the Tanya says, we're binding our will with Hashem's will in the deepest way, all this is true. But also what's happening is, is that we are climbing out of the muck of doubt to the mountaintop of clarity. And in so doing, creation thaws and the icy blocks of concealment begin to melt. And so says the Arizal, it's very important to do that every day for an hour or two or as much time as we're able to, each person being realistic. We spoke about that last week. How much more time we can find if we really try, if, if, I mean, if it's important to us, then we'll, we'll find more time than we thought at first blush. This that Rabbi Nachman says in another place, Kaveya itim la Torah, doesn't just mean to set times for learning Torah, but that Rabbi Nachman teaches that Kaveya could mean a lushan of stealing, thievery. Rabbi Nachman says you need to steal time for Torah, five minutes here, five minutes there, and so on. But Al Kalpanim says the Heliger Rebbe, building on what the Arizal teaches every day for some time to work through this Kabbalistic 
rectification. To break these clusters of shells. Why clusters? Because that's what the shells are. They conceal Hashem's unity. So they must be clusters of them because clusters of things are plurality, multiplicity, disparity. And then that Rizal says an incredible thing. He says, if a person is not cut out for this kind of learning, and there are different kinds of minds, some minds are more analytical, some minds are more holistic in nature, and we're finding this more and more and more in today's generation. And it's just, it's, it's, it's too heavy, and the person finds it difficult. And this is particularly true when you speak about neurodiversity, you speak about different kinds of minds, without that necessarily being a, a good thing or a bad thing, normal or not normal, they're just different kinds of minds. Different minds work in different ways. And each one has their strength. And each one has their potential weakness, but each one has their strength. Says the Arizal, the most healing thing in the world, if a person doesn't have this capacity, yoiser so he says, go straight to the panemias. Whether that means halacha, whether that means kabbalah, whether that means midrashim, as he's about to say in a minute, different kinds of minds are cut out for different kinds of things. And we're about to learn from Rav Kook that so many people who run away from limad ha-Torah because they can't stand it, don't actually hate learning. They just find that what they were told Torah study needs to be wasn't in exact alignment with their Shorish Neshama. And that's why it's so incredibly healing when we learn from Rabbi Nachman different and different pathways to learn. That level the f- playing field and give every person the ability to connect to Torah the way that that person needs to connect to Torah. And this that we're learning from the Arizal that there are different areas of Torah and different people are going to connect to the different areas if they only give themselves a guiltless pass, a permission to do so. So then we can make the tent much bigger. We make the derech much wider and then we don't have to deal with people off the derech, off this derech, off that derech. We make the derech wider and they, and they can find themselves on, on the derech because they have a place too. They have a place. Vuhu says, what this means is that a person should spend time learning midrashim and Agada is the stories of, of, of Chazal, of Efrat B'Zayar, of Sifra Kabbalah. And maybe a person who doesn't have that kind of analytical mind, has a more Chachma-oriented mind, as opposed to a Bina-oriented mind, or a mind that's more connected to seeing, as opposed to hearing. Sight takes in the big picture. They have holistic minds, and their souls are yearning to see the big picture. And again, this is truer and truer as time goes on. We're finding that the souls of this generation are chachma-oriented souls. They want something so big. And the previous generation is, is oftentimes not able to give them what their neshamas need because they weren't, they weren't instructed that way. And so they continue giving over piece by piece by piece. And the neshamas, they, they don't not like learning. They love learning. But they're yearning for something else. They're yearning for something bigger. We're about to see all this in Rav Kook Be'ezus Hashem. So he says they should engage in the area of Torah that's more Chachma-oriented, that's more big-picture-oriented. Now the danger of this piece is that, well, what if a person thinks that they're Kshay Ha'iyun, 
But maybe it's just because they're being a bit lazy. That, that, that can be. Or a person says, you know, this is not for me. Well, maybe it, it is for you. And it's just that more, more time needs to be put into it or different methodologies need to be developed. This can be. That's why a person should be very wary of reading this and saying, done, I don't have to learn Gemara anymore. Never liked the thing. Way too complicated, too time consuming. I think I'll sit and I'll just read Medrash in English the whole day because it's just easier in a sense. And it can be easier. Even though if we're starting to really delve into the Midrashim through the Svas Emes and through the Maral and so on and so forth and through the Ben Yoyada, if you're looking at the Agadis of Shas, it gets a little bit more complex and it's not just you know this nice story that you read. Very deep, can take a lot of time. You start working through Mamarim and Tara Ar from the Balatanya, you know, and, and you start working through pieces in Ishbits that are also all Pirushim on Agadis. Then it, it's a little bit more challenging than it, it also appears on the surface. It's true. But a person should be careful. We don't want to tend toward extremes, and that's not our intention here ever in these Shirim. We only intend to reveal different pathways so that we can emerge with a balanced perception of what's available. What's available so that we can continue to self-assess. We can continue to take inventory. We can continue to go out in hispodidus or hispononus, cheshben anafesh, and to really analyze and assess, like what, what, what should we be doing? But that assessment is going to be limited if we think that there's only one or two things to do. And then we can decide, well, can I do it or can't I do it? But when we have access to the plethora, to the whole range of options, spiritually speaking, the conversation becomes wider and more honest, not less honest, more honest. So that's just an important disclaimer after reading these these words. And then he continues, Because he himself was such a... Ma'ayin, people think of the Arizal that he, he was just a mystic. The Arizal was a tremendous, tremendous Talmud Chacham. So much so that whatever he was learning, says Rav Chaim Vital, vav anything that he was learning, he would, he would reveal six different interpretations, six different ways of just explaining it, on the Pshat oriented, simple, so, so to speak, logical element of what they're actually learning, whatever it was. Why six? Because these would be negative of Yemei HaChal, alluding to the six days of the week. And then he would clarify from within the Ilana de Sveka, from within that tree of Toiv and Ra, which is associated with the six Shishay Sidre Mishnah, the six areas of Mishnah, which are all divided into Kasher and Pasal, Tame and Tahar, Mutter and Asr, which are six different correlates, six different polarities that mark this experience of doubt. We don't know whether something is Kasher or Pasal, Tame or Tahar, Mutter or Asr. That's the six days of the week. And then you'd move into the light, to the Shabbos candles, to the light of Halacha Brura clear halacha, what we should actually do after things are clarified, and he would teach that along with its Kabbalistic intention. Now that we know what to do, let's understand the neshama of that, neged Shabbos. Imagine what that was like in that base medrash. Imagine if yeshivas would learn this way today. Bring everything to halacha with the panemius, with the neshama of it, the clarity that we would have access to.
he would say a person's main focus should be to bind our soul with the essence of the soul which is like we said the Torah so that we can complete this tree of life above and to rectify this image this Selim Elohim of which each of us are a part Fixing Adamarishan throughout our lifetimes and throughout all generations. Kizehu Tachlis Kalbriyasa Adam, the Tachlis Iskebetara, because this is the, the purpose of the creation of man and the ultimate purpose of learning Tyra. Okay, the next paragraph, he just basically says that Arizal, when he was learning, would Mamish work so hard that he was just completely like drenched in sweat, he says shaking and when he was asked why he said don't you understand that learning gemara is a is a battle it's a battlefield just read one line how could it be you know with your feet up just reading an art scroll you know uh, a talmud that that's not what it is it's a it's a it's a it's a war it's an indian of of of, of going through a thick rainforest with a with a with a with a hatchet to cut down everything in our path. That, that's what it is. She said kushia is because everything is difficult and challenging. We have to break through. Takes a lot of work. Takes a lot of work. Okay, now let's see this piece from Rav Kook and this will end for today. It seems that because it's the summer schedule, most of our chevra are not able to join. And so they're going to hopefully be able to listen afterwards. But I think that that's the reason why our shir is much more intimate these days. Um, than it usually is, which is which is totally fine, but it's just a, it's a scheduling thing. Says the Heilige Rav Kuk's Chusay Yagen Aleinu in Ar Satira Perik Tes. Perik Tes. Says Rav Kuk, and every word here is gold, gold, gold. He was speaking to our generation with such clarity, unbelievable clarity, that there are many, many percentages of people living in our in our actually generation who have not discovered this yet slowly but surely but not so clearly yet let's let's learn his words together it says Rav Kook yeshdam sheyatsu letarbos ra there are those who have gone in a wayward path on a wayward journey, turning toward negative influences, negative associations. And you know why this happens, says Rav Kook? Because in their spiritual training and in their particular way of learning and in their personal avodas Hashem, Says Rav Kook, Bogdu bitchunasam ha'ishis ha'miyuchedas. They were rebelling against their personal, unique, individual nature. In their spiritual work, they were rebelling. Their conformity was the greatest form of rebellion against their true selves, against their true spiritual nature. And he explains, There are some souls that are 
particularly talented and have special capacities to engage in divrei agada in learning the agadic portions of Torah, the Midrashim and the Zara Kadesh, and those more spiritual limudim that, like we learned, are more holistic in nature, big picture in nature, and that's 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 the kind of soul that they were born with. That's how Hashem made them. The ha'halacha, and when it comes to matters of practical law, that's not their thing. That's not in accordance with their personal nature, not their spiritual nature, and not their cognitive nature to spend the bulk of their learning time in, in those areas of learning. And because they're never guided and they're never taught within our institutions to respect, to value, to celebrate their particular talent. So what else should he do? And so he spends 10 hours a day learning the normal, so to speak, yeshiva curriculum. Because what else should he do? Which is the, the general way. But you know what happens? Tragically, what happens is he, he feels some kind of conflict inside of him when he comes to engage in these areas. It doesn't seem to give his neshama what he knows his neshama needs. Because like we've learned, delving into these areas is not in alignment with, with his own spiritual nature. If such a person would be guided toward his own tafkid, and he would lovingly embrace it with great self-respect, valuing what his particular nature is in the world. To devote his focus and energy to the areas of Torah that are indeed fitting for his personal nature. He would immediately feel and come to recognize that what he was feeling, some negative association with the other areas of Torah, did not come as a result of some fundamental flaw with learning these areas of Torah that he says are are holy and are absolutely important, pressingly, urgently important for each and every Jew. That's not why he didn't feel comfortable with that kind of learning. There's nothing wrong with the limud itself. Rather, it was just that inside his soul was yearning for something else. Not that there's a problem with the Torah. But that the neshama was crying out for access to different areas of Torah, different layers of Torah. And for us, and if the student would be guided in such a way, he wouldn't budge from the Torah in iota because his problem was never with Torah. His problem was with, was with an inner dissonance. 
and that inner dissonance was not fundamentally improper. On the, on the contrary, it was the healthiest feeling in the world. It was the neshama saying, prodding that individual toward different spiritual pastures that he needed for his own spiritual development. It was a good thing. Nachas Hashalom, the opposite. So therefore, if he would discover that area of Torah that's actually correct and actually appropriate for his soul, he would remain so incredibly committed to the holiness of the Torah. We see this again and again and again. And he would be so successful. He would produce so much incredible productivity within that area of Torah that is in fact shayach that is fitting for him as a, as a unique soul. And not only that, he would fill his tafgid of being able to partner together with those whose tafgid is the more pshat-oriented learning the more halacha-oriented, gemara-oriented learning, to infuse their chidushim with the sweetness of agada, with those spiritual principles that underlie the pshat layer, which is, of course, what Reb Nassim does in Lekutei Halacha, is going through Arabash Chalke Shulchan Arach and revealing the spiritual underlying principles to each of these laws so that we have both because we need both because it's the body and the soul and a body without a soul is a corpse as a soul without a body is a ghost. We need both to become what HaKadosh Baruch Hu calls us Atem Kriyim Adam. You are humans. What does it mean to be human? Body and soul. Soul and body. These two things don't need to be a steerer one to the other, but different people are going to be drawn to different things, and that's okay. That is okay. That is good. That is healthy. But when we create a system where any feeling that a bacher feels that this is just not, it's not, it's not my team to, to my way of thinking. My, my brain can't handle it. I don't feel that it's being miyashev inside of me, clearly settling properly. He feels that there's something wrong with him. He's not trying hard enough. If only he would put in more effort. It must be that he's being distracted by this, that, and the other thing. It must be he really doesn't care very much about the learning. None of which are true. So then he says, well, this is Torah and I want nothing to do with it. And the truth is that this is not Torah. And the broader experience with what Torah actually is, you actually want everything to do with. That's exactly what you're looking for. You just don't know it. You don't value your unique contribution. You don't value the way in which there's a place for you in Limanat Torah. It just might not be within the normative uh, studies that are that are laid out for the masses and maybe rightly so but that doesn't mean that students shouldn't have the capacity to discover that there are different halakim of Torah the nashim nizikim and, and learning eon in a very hyper specific way that the Torah is incredibly vast incredibly vast incredibly broad and there's something for everyone Amnam however says Rav Cook, tragedy of tragedies when 
when he doesn't understand the reason that he's having such a difficult time learning, that he doesn't really care, so to speak, about these ideas, that he's not understanding them, they're not going in, they're not making him feel satisfied, connected. Boom is gaber negativai, and he continues to rebel in conforming, but he continues to rebel against his true nature. Says of Cook, you know what happens after many years of trying to do that? The second, a little bit of a door opens and there's a crack in the facade and a little bit, they're not being mashkiach on him anymore and he's out of yeshiva finally and he breathes a big sigh of relief. He escapes. He becomes a stranger and an enemy. And he goes from bad to worse. And from this group has emerged all of those that became strangers and enemies to the Torah. Says Rav Cook, it could have been avoided. It could have been avoided. The pain and the confusion that they felt, that they reflected back onto our communities, could have been avoided if we made the derech just a little bit, a little bit broader. Doesn't mean spiritual anarchy where all of a sudden, you know, the yeshivas have to offer a smorgasbord and there shouldn't be a mahalach and a derech. Doesn't, doesn't mean that. But it means that if we approach individual students as individuals and we teach them to respect their own nature, their own spiritual nature, their own cognitive nature, and we value that and we teach them to respect themselves and we're broad enough in our own experience of Torah to be able to give them different experiences to allow them to taste the Torah that's fitting for them. We could avoid so much pain. We could avoid so much pain. Those that have developed in such a way where they are blind, they're blinding the eyes of the world. Not because they know the truth and they want to blind others, but because they've been blinded. And oftentimes it's, it's, it's almost not their fault. Because in trying to help them, sometimes we're hurting them. When it comes to all the different areas of the Torah that are divided in their distinction one area from another area because each one is fitting for a different kind of soul, says Rav Kook, some are going to feel drawn to some areas. Says Rav Kook, a bit of a radical thing, this is true even for the secular wisdoms. Some people are, are going to be drawn to certain areas and, and that's where they needed to, to innovate. That's where they needed to originate. That was their contribution. And like the Labavitcher Rebbe would so much encourage the professors and the academics and he kept abreast of all the different areas of secular wisdom himself. You would read, I think, how many papers and how many languages every day. It was a person... Who appreciated the development of the physical world because he saw no distinction between physicality and spirituality? It says Rav Cook, there are those souls that that's their thing. And they should devote time to learning, like every God fearing Jew. But maybe they're, they're not cut out for 40 years of, of just nonstop learning in Kolel. That's, 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 not, that's not their nature, that, that's not what Hashem wants from them in the world. Even though Talmud Torah it's not a stira. 
Because Talmud Torah Keneged Kulam is another way of saying Gilei Kfoid Shemayim Keneged Kulam. For many individuals, Limad Torah is the primary form of revealing godliness in the world, but to others, they're intended to reveal the glory of Hashem through their own unique set of circumstances. And this, again, I want to point out, becomes very delicate, right? Because how do we know? How do you know what's the voice of the Yitzhahara telling us, you know, you'd be far better off studying biology for 10 hours a day and maybe having a little bit of a, of, you know, a, a limud in, in, in Kitzvah Shulchan That's for every person to really make an accurate, honest assessment. It's not easy. And that's why my personal feeling is that we should all, because it's very difficult to get clarity into this, we should allow ourselves to sample many, many different areas and keep a balanced, healthy, spiritual diet. And that seems to be the safest thing. But it's not easy. says Rav Kook, but to such a person, both will work. And he quotes Chazal, because Lima Torah, together with Derech Eretz, Chazal called Yafeh. Like Rav Kook says, it's a big sugya. But Am Yisrael is a nation of individuals. And that's what Rav Kook is trying to get across. We must see ourselves not as part of a system. It's artificial. There is no system. The system is guidance for each of us as individuals to be able to forge our own personal paths. We call this in the story of our lives. Our commentary on Rabbi Nachman's story of the lost princess, Shvil Min Hatzad, a path to the side. Each of us have our own unique footpath. And we need to respect that, value that, certainly not to look down on ourselves for it, to celebrate that. Because that's the way that Hashem needs us to reveal His presence in the world. We should be Zaycha, standing at the end of this very long journey through Sicha Ayin Vav. Uh, two weeks ago, last week, and this week, to be able to appreciate this kind of freedom. What a privilege. What a privilege that we're connected to broad-minded tzaddikim like these, who were tzaddikim no less than any other tzaddikim. That's also up to us to decide which tzaddik we feel drawn to, which tzaddik we feel is, is, is releasing us from any kinds of shackles to allow us to genuinely express our neshamas in the way that our neshamas are yearning to express themselves. We need to express eternal gratitude that the derech of these tzaddikim is very broad. And even when we think we're off it, we're still on it. But certainly when we think we're on it, there are many different ways of being on it. Many different ways of being on it. Ashreinu matayv but it begins with honesty and an honest assessment. Because we should beware of the Yitzhahara that also can dress up as a, as a malach, you know, as an angel, which Rabbi Nachman addresses in the first lesson, and is a, a, a hazard that we should be well aware of, particularly in this conversation. Ashreinu, Chavra. Ashreinu. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you so much for journeying. Thank you so much for listening. And um, with this, we march out into the world to try to think, how can we add on quality and quantity to our Limada Torah that's going to be fit and uniquely aligned with our spiritual nature? Be'ezus Hashem. L'chaim, l'chaim. Thank you so much for joining. Wishing everybody the most amazing rest of the week and looking forward to carrying on the class troop with Rabbi Nachman. S'chusay aganalinu.